Uh, Pastor Ray Owens back with us in the fellowship hall, and the youth will be meeting with Bryce Lovelady upstairs. And uh, Ray will introduce him a little later in the service. I'll let him do the intro. Uh, next Sunday, you'll see that we've got uh, a different speaker. Uh, Stacy Leonard will be with us uh, in, on Sunday morning. And for the any of the young folks that are here, please take note of the youth retreat in March. Uh, if you're interested in uh, uh, going to that. This morning, I uh, want to do a little reading from uh, Psalms. I know it's just before Valentine's Day, and I was so tempted to go to 1 Corinthians 13. But I, as I thought about it, I thought that the best definition of love this morning is what Jesus did when he came and died on the cross for us. Uh, I can't define it any better than that or say it any better. This morning my reading is from Psalm 139. Um, You'd be familiar with it and since Pastor Ray is doing message on Wednesday nights talking about our needing to have awe and be a sense of wonder at uh, the kingdom. I pulled these verses out. Selected verses. You have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. And we'll skip over to verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. May God bless his reading of his word. And pray that you'll have a good service this morning. I know you will and continue in service, uh, worship with the praise team. Won't you stand with us this morning? I want to share a little secret with y'all this morning, okay? Don't you let Carvin Adams get out here this morning without wishing him a happy birthday, okay? <laughs> Let's join together in the solid rock.
love that chorus, and it's so true. Let's join together in Cornerstone.
great promise in the light. Let's join then singing that. was a good old one we haven't sung in a while. go to your classes now. Thank you so much for your time. Glad to have uh, Pastor Ray Owens back with us this morning and uh, continuing in his series on uh, Dare to Share. And uh, I didn't get to ask you if you want me to read the scripture. Are you going to you going to take care of it? Okay, good. Uh, for prayer this morning, uh, we have a good list, uh, a bad list. Uh, we have praise for. Uh, Pastor-elect Dan and Lynn Masters to come, continue to uh, pray that all the little details will be worked out uh, in his way and that he will just take care of all the obstacles even before we see them coming. Uh, we do want to continue in prayer for uh, the victims of the earthquake in uh, Turkey and Syria and uh, what I saw this morning is some 28,000 have died, many others injured, uh, millions homeless. Uh, just affects that whole part of the country of uh, Turkey and Syria. And uh, pray that uh, assistance will arrive uh, in understand it's very cold in addition to being homeless uh, it's just a terrible situation uh, we have uh, continued prayer for the Cheyenne Jordan and the Priscilla Worsham families uh, Linda Jackson Clark family that's uh, Larry Lawson's friend and Larry Lawson is uh, now in hospice and uh, continues to need our prayers uh, also, I had a note this morning that uh, Sherry North fell yesterday and has a possible concussion. So remember Sherry this morning. And uh, I know he'll be introduced in a little bit, but uh, keep Bryce Lovelady, our new youth intern, in your prayers. Uh, we want the youth to get in the habit of coming and uh, in having a good worship experience with Bryce. Let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, uh, Larry McCullough also. I'm sorry, I meant to put Larry on the, on the list. Uh, he's in the hospital, I believe, at St. Francis 
Um, but uh, he's having health issues, so remember him. Father, we thank you this morning for uh, your continued presence and care for us. Um, thank you for the blessings that you provide and just who you are, what you are to us and the love that you've displayed and uh, the plans that you have for us. We thank you in advance for this new pastor-elect, uh, Dan, and his wife, Lynn. Pray that you will uh, encourage them this morning and uh, help them as they begin to prepare and look forward to their time here in Louisiana. Father, we ask you to be with these other requests. There are those that are uh, have lost loved ones or uh, grieving uh, some perhaps in, in even earlier this year that uh, we know still uh, feel the loss and, and need your touch this morning. We think of Sherry North who's fallen and we pray that you will uh, help her to recover and to, uh, to feel better this morning, feel your presence this morning. We ask that you be with Larry uh, McCullough and Lawson this morning uh, as they are in need of your presence and your touch. Um, many others that are sick and, uh, and needing uh, special uh, lift this morning. Father, you know about the situation around the world. There are still conflicts and, and uh, battles and uh, you know the solution to all of those and we pray that uh, your people will help to get the word out about uh, your peace. We pray that you'll be with those who are in Turkey and Syria this morning who are homeless or in need of special uh, protection. Uh, we know it's difficult now with their um, the recovery effort and the, it, so many needs in such, such a small area. And we pray that, that uh, your people will send resources to help and that you will provide, uh, perhaps this is a time for uh, your message to get to that part of the world even more clearly uh, to see the outpouring of your love from around the world. Father, we ask that you be with our youth and our young people uh, this morning. It's a uh, sit in worship service and as they come to you in the classes, pray that you will touch their hearts this morning and continue to feel your presence uh, as you work within our lives. Father, in all these things we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Mike. Uh, as you got the text uh, earlier, uh, I wanted to make sure that I uh, had the privilege to introduce uh, Bryce Lovelady to you. Those that were here Wednesday night, some of you got to meet him, and of course the youth definitely got to meet him. Um, had a big group. So uh, anyway, Bryce originally is from the Rabel area, went to OCS, been at ULM for, every, for, for a long time, graduated, done about everything there is to do at ULM. I've never seen a resume with more stuff at ULM. Ha has a heart for people. I talked to one of his teachers in the reference process, and uh, there he saw a need, some kids that were outcasts and all, and formed a new organization or club for that. And so that says a lot. And a lot of his friends were saying he's one of the most social people in the world. Um, and so and I, when I started sharing with, with Bryce about what we really need here, um, 
He's already committed to do uh, Lifeway camps, this time in North or South Carolina, I think, this summer. Uh, he did them last year. And so, uh, but he was so excited he wanted to cover Wednesday nights and Sundays for us and get to know the kids. He has a heart for kids. He loves them. He wants to serve and he feels the call of God on his life for ministry, uh, youth ministry, and I can see very much uh, what the future holds. He even dressed the part this morning. <laughs> so, so Bryce, come on up here and let, let everybody see you and say hi. And by the way, y'all, um, be real friendly and be real nice, because I've told him you are. So don't let me down, okay? Here's, say something to him. You're welcome to. Hey guys. Um, my name is Bryce Lovelady. Like you said, uh, I did everything at ULM I could. Um, my resume is pretty stacked it is. when it comes down to it. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm happy to be here. Uh, I'm really excited to get to know the youth personally. Uh, I met a lot of them on Wednesday. Great group of kids. Uh, already fell in love with them only on the first night. So uh, there's so much to come. Um, I'm going to be uh, here as much as I can. Um, I originally went to um, North Monroe, down in Monroe, before here, but then uh, I felt the Lord calling me here uh, when I talked to Pastor Ray, so uh, I took the job, and I'm, I'm truly excited to be here with y'all and uh, really uh, minister to the kids and let God speak through me in that process. So, yeah. You got it. Good job. Come on. And by the way, it's a, it's a good crowd. We sometimes have more. Like last week when we had a vote, we had more. <laughs> now, I had a picture I was going to show, but we messed up. So I'm down in the adults, and uh, man, I had only made 20 copies. Little faith. So uh, somebody had to run and make some more. Nancy maybe ran and made some more copies. And I said, well, that's a good sign. So the youth's probably doing good. Well, after I get ready to get going, I get a text of a picture from Barbara. Barbara, come here just a minute. So Barbara sends me a picture of the youth, and there's not a seat. They're having to go get more chairs. Barbara, how many do I have? Fourteen. So a picture's worth a thousand words. You don't have a thousand, okay? Oh, but I go do. ahead, Chad. I do, but I won't. Um, yeah, they just kept coming in, and I was so excited. I don't know about you, but uh, it's always good. Last week we had a great testimony of the miracle on Dobson Street, and this week we had a great testimony of the miracle upstairs. Okay? And I mean, when two kids rededicate their life, one of them maybe, you know, some question about the first time, uh, which I need to follow up on baptism too, talk about that. But anyway, uh, that's exciting. And I tell you what, we've been talking about Dare to Share. In this series, I've been challenging you 
Uh, on Wednesday nights we've been hitting about worship, the greatest commandment, that God's number one, and we've been talking about worship. We'll be winding that down in a few weeks. We've been talking about Dare to Share, and like Mike said, this is the fourth message in the series, and we're going to wind it down. And the reason is, you know, there's nothing more important than sharing the gospel. It's a great commission. It's what we have. You've got to share what you have. Of course, you've got to have it to share it. But, you know, you don't need to be perfect. And we, we really worked on that. And I appreciate so much another thing Barbara said when she came up. said, I think I feel like I could do that. that. That's what it's all about. That's what I want you to feel about. Because you're all ambassadors. And you're all appointed to share. So we started the series with it beginning with the heart of God, which is a broken heart for the lost. I ask you to be praying about people that you might know, people in your family. And I know if they're in your family, it's hard to share with those in your family. But you start praying for them, and then somebody else might share about that. I'll talk to you about a scripture on that. Then we talked about sharing in a way that doesn't wound or hurt the cause of Christ, and sharing in a way that helps and encourages people. And if you don't have something good to say, don't say it. You know, just don't be a hindrance. And we talked about that. And then last week we went into four specific ways to share your faith. And at the bottom of your outline I have, again, the Roman road there for you as well. And then today I want to talk about partnership. Because you're not alone and that's real important. Before I get started, I want to reiterate something, too, that Sister Barbara said about bring your kids. Don't just bring your kids. Bring your neighbor's kids and your neighbors. And, you know, every youth has friends, and, and it's so important. And I just encourage you to bring, because let me tell you, there's a lot of kids today that are not involved in church. I'm going to talk a lot about that. A lot of folks not involved. Invite them to be a part because there were two or three that don't normally come. And honestly, there were two or three that sort of do come sometimes that weren't there. So that's 14. And when I, when I talked to Bryce about the job and we interviewed and, and Charlotte and, and Barbara and I, I, I mentioned that. I said, look, you might only have one or two. And if you do, we got some boundaries in place. I said, then again, you might have seven or eight. Again, I didn't hit the mark, did I? I had 14, you know, and we didn't have enough pizza. And I love those kind of problems. I hope we run real short on pizza and drinks. I really do. Uh, those are good problems. So bring somebody. Bring your cousins, your grandkids, your grandniece, your whatever. Okay? Alright, this is the time of year. I know today's Super Bowl Sunday. And, you know, I hope you're excited about it. It's kind of hard to get excited about it because the Saints aren't in it or Joe Burrow's not in it. You know, all those LSU fans or whatever. But that's okay today's Super Bowl. Well, instead of about Super Bowl, there's another sport kicking off that's in its final month, and that's basketball. Does anybody know what that is? Remember the ball like this? Okay. Yeah, I know, and some of you probably aren't. But I, y'all know I moved to Kansas and married Miss Kansas up there, and guess what? Basketball is king in Kansas. I'm just telling you. It's, they, they, you know, KU doesn't win national championships in football. They win it in basketball. And K-State does real good in football sometimes, but they also do good in basketball. And Wichita State's been in the Final Four. And then in the lower level, there's all kinds of teams in Kansas that play good basketball. So just like Kentucky, Kansas is big into basketball. And also uh, running. <laughs> you know, it's the home of all the mile runners and the long distance runners and all from Kansas because you can see the next town 20 miles down there. It doesn't look that far. I know in Kansas, at one time when I moved to Kansas, it didn't really have a speed limit. And the reason it was flat, you could see the next town. But they had to because they have these uh, Amish that pull out in their cart and they just have a speed limit themselves. So you can't be going that fast if one of the carts pull out in front of you with a slow moving vehicle sign on the back. That's the only thing modern on the whole deal. So that's Kansas. Well, I want to talk to you about March Madness coming up. There was a, uh, back years ago, there was a conference championship going on, and there was this heavy favorite team and the Cinderella team. I remember one year ULM got in the tournament and, and won a game, you know, one time, you know, one game. It's pretty cool. But they were playing for the conference championship. They were the underdog, and it, they were two points behind. Finally, two points behind, right at the end, one of their freshman players 
was running down and took a three-point shot and missed it for the underdogs, so they lose, right? Now he got fouled, and he got fouled pretty good. It was clearly he got fouled. So now, imagine this, time's run out. This is a small school in the fixing to go to maybe the opportunity for the big tournament, and this little freshman has to go up, stand at the free throw line. Now who, anybody know anything about basketball? Who's allowed to be there? Nobody. So you have 30,000 fans or 20,000 fans in the conference championship, no teammate with you, nobody anywhere, half of the people are screaming you miss it, right? Half, and he gets three shots, okay? You can do the math, all right? He's got to make two to go into overtime. If he makes all three, he wins. Is there any pressure on him? <laughs> this poor little guy, well, he goes out and makes the first one. Wow, that's awesome. Then he misses the second one. Now he's going, can they go into overtime? You know, and he misses it. Yeah. Oh, that's right. How do you imagine he felt? You know what he did? He fell to the ground sobbing and crying and just, you know, broken. And, of course, everybody talked about it. It's, it obviously meant a lot. And I thought about that. And why I'm sharing that is we've all had those moments sometimes when we feel all alone. And he was all alone. I bet he would have done better if his teammates had been around him. You can do it. Or, hey, relax, buddy. Just do it like, act like you're back at the old gym, you know, or whatever. But he didn't have that. He's all alone with all these screaming people. And we feel like that. We feel like we're out on a limb sometimes, especially when we're sharing the gospel. We feel like the weight of the world is all on us. And I'm here to tell you, you're not alone. With Christ, it's a partnership. And for some of us, the challenge of sharing our faith is so daunting and scaring that, scary to us that we're just worried about it. We, we feel like we're, we're alone. And I want to encourage you, you're not. You are never alone. In fact, we've talked about it many times. Where can you go to get away from God? Nowhere. I hope you don't go to a bar. I really don't think any of you probably are. If you do, don't tell me. But if you do, God can go with you in that bar. There's nowhere you can go without him. But let me tell you where there's a lot of places you can go where he is and he's manifest more, but you can't be, you're not alone. In fact, I'd like you to say, I'm not alone. Can we say that? I'm not alone. That's good. And some of you are sitting by somebody, so that's good. Don't say, I wish I was alone. <laughs> that wouldn't work. All right, Luke, Luke chapter 10. Let's look at that verse there on your outline if you can read that. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples. I bet you you didn't know that. A lot of you didn't know that. And we all know the 12, right? Or 11 replacement 12. And he sent them ahead, how? In pairs to all the towns and villages he planned to visit. You know what this says to me? So many things. But in this scripture, Christ sent out his disciples. He did not send them alone. And by the way, what a leadership model. Accountability. Like if Bryce and I were going out and I was mentoring him and in areas he would be mentoring me, you know, that's what I used to tell my students at ULM. Look, there's all of you in this room know a lot of things better than me about a lot of things, but I guarantee you none of you know more about psychology than I do. You know what I mean? This is psychology 201, you know, or whatever it is. That's what I'm saying. If we go out, if, we're, if he gets discouraged and he's ready, I, I can't take it anymore. I want to call mama. Not saying he ever would, okay? I'm just saying. Guess what? Come on now. We can do it. Let's go get a hamburger and Coke. Chill a minute. We'll be all right. You know, vice versa. I can go, I've had it. I'm too old for this. No, you're not old, man. You'll go. You know, there's accountability there. there. There's somebody to encourage one another and all. The next scripture, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 9. These guys are bickering who the greatest is. By the way, I hadn't even had a chance to watch one TV show through building up to the Super Bowl, but I was eating with my wife in a restaurant late and I saw up on the screen, they were talking about this Super Bowl and first time two African-American quarterbacks and which quarterback was the best. We bicker today about who the best is. So back in the day, they're bickering between Paul and Apollos, and here's the word. 
Paul says, this is Paul in 1 Corinthians 3, 6. My job was to plant the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it. But here's the key. But it was God, not we, who made it grow. The ones who do the planting and watering aren't important, but God is important because he's the one that makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work as a team with the same purpose. Yet they will be rewarded individually according to their own hard work. We work together as partners who belong to God. So, I remember my daughter Brooke who I'm so proud of and y'all know she's a doctor. She's helping people and now both nationally with Mercy but in Dallas. And she you know she was strong willed and she went to a daycare and it was a, several daycares. We she would learn everything about the Little Red Schoolhouse and then we'd go to somewhere else. And that was the smartest thing we ever did. We moved around daycares for a while. That made her, guess what? Either traumatized or a social butterfly. She became a social butterfly, okay? And we put her then finally in this wonderful small daycare with a lady. And one day she started singing. Brooke's not the boss, Miss Betty's the boss. And she was singing a song. Well, because we went to college a long time as parents, we knew there was a problem. So we talked to Miss Betty and she said, well, Brooke's pretty strong willing. She tries to start bossing me around with the other kids. So we just learned us a new song. And I always thought about that. Here's what I want the song to tell you. We're not the boss. God's the boss. Amen? Sometimes we forget that. We work for God. God's the boss. He's a loving boss. It's all about Him. But let me tell you how awesome that is. We do our part, but God does His part. God does His part. If you own a company, you better be the hardest working or you're built up your time and you built the company and the wisest. You need to be one of those. And God's that. We have this wise God behind us and it's awesome. So how do we make the most of our partnerships? Number one, recognize the significance of the church family. Recognize the significance of our church family. Now most of you know this. And, but I want to encourage you and I also want you to challenge other people. Many people today in the United States especially, you're not going to have this happen over in Ukraine. You're not going to have this happen in many of the African countries. You're not going to have this happen in Turkey where Ron is. But here we have millions, about 20 million people or more that say they're dynamic Christians and never darken the door of a church. Okay? In fact, you can Google it. Barna's got some research about millennials and new generations that are going, I don't think I need the church. Or if they go to a church, they might go to a mega church and not really connect. They just sometimes go for entertainment, you know, or whatever. And so here's what I'm saying. This is an American thing. This is not a God thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because God's words is clear. God never attended, intended you and I to do this journey alone. Okay? Look at the Ephesians 3.10. His intent was that now, how in the world was his intent? Through the church. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known. And for us preachers here, it's through the foolishness of our preaching. <laughs> I always loved that part. In other words, God chose this, this preaching, sharing the gospel forth. And here's what we need to realize. It's God's plan. The second scripture, Ephesians 2, it says, We are His house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is who? Jesus Christ Himself. We who believe are carefully joined together, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Now, perfect illustration of that is what we just saw this morning with Bryce, okay? And that is, God's called him, there's no doubt about it. He has a passion for it, knowledge and ability to do that. Okay, I might have a lot of skills and I've been a youth pastor 20 years longer than he ever has. But the point is, we know that he's called, he's ready, he's gifted for that. I'm not right now called or gifted for that. I'm too old. You know, I mean, it's crazy, but that's what I'm saying. God puts us in the body where we all need to be. 
And we need old people in the church. Amen. We need young people in the church. Amen. We need crazy people in the church. That's right. We need everybody in the church. Okay? It's kind of like that poster during World War II, Uncle Sam pointing. We need you. Every one of you. Even the little guys. Even the little kids. I told you when I first came here and y'all played that little music to go to children's church, I wanted to get up and go. And I was 67 years old at the time or something. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it just, we need all of them. We need them all. Now, I also want to share with you that if you or someone you know is casually connected to a church of believers, the Word of God's pretty clear. Look at the next scripture. And also, by the way, in addition to being the Word of God, it's just common sense. Although common sense isn't too common, I don't know why we need to change that because it's not common anymore. It's good sense that's not common. Let's put it that way. And that is this. Look at Hebrews 10, 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. You need to be a person who motivates people to do, to love, to let God's love flow through them, to do good acts like we did. We feed the homeless last Monday week. You know, we go down to Grace Place and we do that. And by the way, I was so proud of our church. Man, we had a crowd there. Thank goodness, because we needed them. And here's the second part. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage each other, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. In other words, there's encouragement, but it basically the Word of God said, don't, don't go to church. Go to church. Don't neglect going to church. That's the Word of God. If somebody ever says it's not in the Bible to go to church, they don't read the same Bible that I read. You read what the whole Jewish generation had to do and go through and then you read the Bible today. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. That's what it says. We need it. Well, Brother Ray, I'm just not into church. It's full of hypocrites. You know what? There are some churches that have a hypocrite or two. Okay? The church is not a perfect place. In fact, if this church was a perfect place, the moment I walked in the door, it wouldn't be perfect anymore. Because I figured it out. I'm not perfect. Now, I'm not saying anything about you. Next point. No. <laughs> I want to throw this out. I've never thought about it before, and it could be crazy. Carmen, you might have to call set me straight. But I thought about this. God doesn't want us to be orphans. And I think the Christians that have a true relationship with Him, you don't get saved by going to church. You don't get saved necessarily because of the church. But what I'm saying, you're saved by the Holy Spirit wooing you and you accept Jesus as your personal Savior. We'll talk about that later. But my point is, if you're saved but you're not really in a church, you're kind of like an orphan child. Because God wants us to have a place in the body. And what does He say? I call you now my sons, my daughters. You know what I mean? But if you're not a part of the body of Christ and you're over here just doing your own little secret prayer thing or whatever you got going on, you're an orphan child who mom and dad, God himself, wants to come into the fold. Now, I've never said that before, so that's new, okay, I think. Does that make sense? I don't know, whatever. Also, I want to tell you this, the church is similar to a biological family. And I know if you've had a tough biological upbringing and a bad family situation, this can be tough. I was blessed. I was raised. Leave it to Beaver for Jesus. My mom dressed up every day like June Cleaver. Dad took his briefcase and his Bible, went off to teach or preach or whatever. And every kid wanted to come to my house and play. You know, I was raised awesome. I really was. So blessed. And many of you were too. I know some of your parents. So I don't care if you tell me something different. I know the truth. Okay? But if you've had a tough one, I know it's tough. And that's why it's so important to be a godly parent. I got that. But here's what I'm saying. In a family, 
you grow by rubbing each other the wrong way. Me and my sister, me and my brother, we rubbed each other the wrong way. I know two boys that rub each other the wrong way, but I'm not looking at them right now. Okay? But that's how you grow sometimes. You still love one another. I'll tell you what, sometimes my sister and I or my brother, you know, we, but if somebody picked on them, whoo, uh-uh. You know? And of course we matured and we got over that and we, we're best friends now. We love one another. But, the, but that's what the body of Christ is. And as I get to know you, there's times you say things that maybe could be taken wrong or kind of hurt, but we kind of get over it and move along and then you say wonderful things or you do wonderful things. And You know, we have different personalities. Okay? There's some of you would die to come up here and do what I put Barbara on the spot doing today. And then there's Barbara. And we, we all need one another. We all need one another. All our personalities and we're all different. And that's why we need the family. I remember coming up, I used to talk about, I got so mad because I was a psychologist and I was teaching at ULM and being a youth pastor or associate pastor or speaker for conventions and stuff and just, and I think what it was, there was a time where all I dealt with is people's problems, pretty much. And I went through a lull there, and I said, Honey, I think we're going to get all our friends together, and we're going to move to Idaho, and I'm going to buy about 600 acres, and we're going to form a commune up there, you know, and get away from it all. I always love mountains because I'm a swamp guy, you know what I mean? Mountain people, they want to go to the beach. You never are happy where you're at, you know. That's how that works. When I'm up there talking to them about this beautiful cabin in these mountains, they're going, well, how's the beach down there? <laughs> That's funny how that works. I thought about that. And here's what, first of all, that, I was married to Dana. That wasn't going to happen. Okay. There was some, thank goodness we were, were married and she puts it. In other words, moving away to wherever your dream place is to get away and not to be around people. That's not God's plan on this side of earth, this earth. We're supposed to be around people, love on them, and all that. In other words, how good am I going to... I could get so holy that I'm like a monk in a monastery and I'm absolutely no earthly good for the kingdom of God. I could know the Word of God in and out. I could be filled with all kinds of the Holy Spirit and all. But if I'm not rubbing shoulders with people and being His ambassadors, I'm of no good to the cause of Christ. I got this thing going on. And that's one reason that certain people that think they're holier than anybody else and they have their own little thing going on and they just come across all holy. They're of no earthly good to the kingdom. I'm being honest. They actually cause division. And that's important too. Christians, you're part of my church family here and we need each other, and it's very significant that we're together during this time. Do you not believe God brought us together for a time as this? Open your eyes and see. Secondly, when you bring people, be a good host to those you bring to church. Be a good host to those you bring to church. I'm going to have to speed it up a little bit. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, we therefore are Christ's ambassadors as though Christ were making his appeal through us. I've used that scripture a lot. You guys all know it by now. So how do you be a good ambassador? ABC's there. Always introduce them to others. And y'all do really good with that. We have several visitors come in. And, you know, when they come in, always introduce them to somebody. Take them to your friends. If you find out somebody's a similar age or... or uh, hobby or something, that's what you do. That's just a good person. Second, bring them to their circles teacher, which is your Sunday school. Bring them to the pastor, introduce them, and many times you guys are good about that. And, you know, it's pretty rare that they're going to have the boldness to come up to the pastor. Okay? It's really rare they're going to have the boldness to do that. But if I'm out there and somebody comes in and say, Joe or Terry, they'll say, hey, come here. I want you to meet our pastor. See what I'm saying? They met him or whatever. Uh, that, that's what I'm talking about. And then thirdly, connect them to relevant ministries. 
If they have children, you want to take them down and introduce the, the, the children's teachers. You know, if they have youth, you want them to meet Bryce. If, if they, um, whatever the connection is. In other words, get them in a small group. I'm here to tell you that's where growth occurs. And, you know, connecting with women's groups, men's groups, all these things that we have plans for, by the way. We've got some plans in the cooking for that to, to expand that. That's important. And that's so important because let me tell you, they need to know church isn't just about theology. They need to know you care. And you do that when you're a good host. And some of you are a wonderful host. And some of you are host in training. But you're all good hosts, right? And we're going to be better hosts. Amen? All right. There, third, I'm glad you said that. I don't have to preach on it anymore. All right, three, be a bridge to deeper relational opportunities. Here's what I want. Be a bridge to deeper relational opportunities. Let's say you take advantage of these opportunities that come. More than the introduction or the casual shaking of hands, but now maybe they get it to be a part of some group that you have. Could be social. It could be uh, hopefully spiritual or Bible study or an opportunity. Or let's say you hear, say, I'm speaking on something or Carvin's speaking on something or, or you know, Carolyn's sharing on something. And you go, man, I know that'd be great. Or Dana's did the keys to freedom and boy, this would be great. And many of you did that and new people came and they went through that process. That's what I'm talking about. People really are looking for deeper relationships. I saw a while back being a psychologist a long time ago that there was a new counseling service in Britain for businessmen. This guy had a parrot named Jesse and this guy would charge businessmen <laughs> to come for 30 minutes and tell Jesse all their problems. And Jesse didn't counsel, Jesse just listened, and occasionally he'd repeat what you say. You know, occasionally. And by the way, there is a therapy actually called that. It's called client-centered therapy. So, the, I just can't stand my job, and Jim at work is terrible. So, Jim is terrible. You just think, yes, he's terrible. And they just go on and on and on. I want you to think about that. I thought about it at that time I had a cat. I said, honey, can we work this deal out? I, I built my home with an office so I could counsel people when they come in and we could have them sit in there and Ace could listen to them for $50 an hour or whatever, 30 minutes or whatever it would be. Of course, we, you know, I was just, just thinking, what does that say? People really are looking deep down for meaning and purpose and a relationship. Look at uh, Acts 9. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, uh, uh, this is Paul's name before he, he was saved and, and transformed. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were afraid of him. And good reason, he'd been trying to kill them. They thought he was only pretending to be a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus. Barnabas also told them what the Lord had said to Saul and how boldly he preached in the name of Jesus in Damascus. Then the apostles accepted Saul. Saul or Paul needed a bridge to deeper relationships. And you know who that bridge was? Barnabas. I want all of us at times in our life to be a Barnabas. Your job is to be a Barnabas. A helper, an encourager, a take maybe a rough one on, not an enabler. Barnabas wasn't enabling Paul, but he introduced him. I've got a quote, friendly crowds will make others feel good, you know, there's the fuzzies, but relationships will give them true friends. In November 1992, Donald Degree was in a golf, golf senior golf tournament and on the 16th hole, there's 18 holes and he was on the 16th of the putting green, he had a massive heart attack and died on the green. They put a sheet over him, waited a little while, the golfers did, and then they went ahead and played all the way through with him laying over on the sheet. Now, that's the kind of world we live in. I was actually pretty impressed with the football Cincinnati-Buffalo game if somebody's that critical to the point they have cardiac arrest and they're dying, you're having to shock them, I'm glad they didn't play the game anymore. 
That actually is a, a, a miracle. But, you know, the guy, when they interviewed him, he said something about, well, life goes on and so do we. Well, here's what I'm saying. We in Christ, we need to really care. And when others don't care, we do. We've got to care. We need to care. I don't mean judge, just care. We're the bridge. We're the bridge. You're the bridge. Finally, four. Remember, God is working harder than you to reach those you care about. I think we forget that. I know I forget it sometimes. It's like I feel all the pressure in the world. I've got to get this person saved. I've got to do this, got to do that, or whatever. Help fix them. In fact, Dana will come to me a lot of times and say something, something, and she goes, I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to listen. I go, okay, okay. Get my head straight. Because my whole life is people bring a problem, I fix it. I tell you what to do. Here's the thing. I work for God. Let Him do the fixing. But we're a part of that process. Even though you, we really care about the people that first week we prayed about and the people you're praying about. Don't you think God cares about your children and the people you're praying that are lost or not involved in church? Yes. But here's the thing. God cares more than you care. God super cares about those folks. Long before ever it was on your mind. Look at the scripture I have in Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, we all know this. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them these new disciples to obey all the commandments I have for you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So in the Great Commission, the part I wanted to share there is God's always with you. Whether you're watering, sharing, caring, whatever you're doing, God's with you when you're doing His work. Look at the second scripture. When Jesus saw Nathanael approach, He said to him, Here's a true Israelite in whom there's nothing false. Nathanael says, How do you know me? Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Now, I don't know if you get that. God was working with him before Philip ever went to talk to him. And this is while he's on earth. Philip was inviting his friend, Nathaniel, to come and meet Jesus. Jesus was already there working. Praise the Lord. That excites me. It's great. Because you know God is already working, keep them in prayer. James says the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. Be expectant when you're praying and asking and encouraging. Realize God's working. Be expectant. Have faith. Thirdly, and I think we neglect this sometimes. We've been talking about it on Wednesday nights. Give thanks. Sometimes I get to water them, fertilize them. Sometimes we plant them, but we really don't matter. We do all of this. Who makes it grow? Who makes the plants grow? God, right? I've struggled, as y'all know, for the last month and a half with an ear infection. And let me tell you, you can give the same person the same antibiotic. It'll fix this one. It won't fix that one. But let me tell you this. God makes the healing happen. The doctor never did. I've never healed anybody with any counseling or any medication or anything in my whole life. God lets that process take place. I practice the art, and you hope you practice good and don't practice bad, but my point is God has the growth. You know, sometimes as a pastor, I look out and see needs or I counsel and I do this. You know, and I may can tell a pretty good story, occasionally speak, write a sermon and all that, but I cannot change a heart. Only God can change a heart. I can't send the Holy Spirit to soften. And that's good, people. That's good. It keeps me humble, but it also helps me when they say no. I've been rejected, man. Have you? I hope you've been rejected. It means you're sharing. But also, no, it hurts, but not really. If I really think about it, I'm doing what God told me to do. God's the one that works on the heart. And also, God's the one that lets them say no. He loves them so much, He lets them say no. Or maybe it's not now. It might be later. I might have softened them up. You know, I hope I didn't turn them away. 
I can't fix a marriage. My goodness, if I got crisis calls. I, I can't say because we're being taped. I've got one this afternoon. And, and I can't do it, but God can. I can't save a lost kid, but God can. I can't repair brokenness, but God can. Do you see what I'm saying? God's the one. That's why it's so important. God cares and he's the one. Only he can do that. Down at the bottom, give thanks. God inhabits our praise. God inhabits our praise. Never discount thanking the Lord, having a spirit of gratitude, and say, Lord, I love you. I know, and I know you love him so much if I'm praying for my son. I know you love him so much. It kills me they're not doing right or not saved or they're into this or that. It's killing me. You tell God all about it. But God, I know you love them so much. You're not going to make them do it. We wouldn't want God to make them do it and they'd just be a robot. I'm saved. You know, that, it, that's not what we want. We want a changed heart and God's the only one that can do a changed heart. So thank God and praise God and acknowledge it. You know, as a series of messages here close, I ask you continue to pray for the names that God has on your heart. Please always have some people on your prayer list that's private that need the Lord. Okay? Pray for yourself to have a heart for the lost. Share in a positive way. And maybe even memorize this plan of salvation that's at the bottom of the outline. Or have it cut off. That's why I got it there on your outline you can cut it off you can put it in your Bible or you can put it in your car or whatever it's just one plan it's the Roman road and it's so easy when you're talking to somebody say look I just want to run through something or God they come to that moment when they go I just don't know it doesn't seem like there's any hope well let me tell you a hope I found well I'm just not good enough I can't be saved would you know the Bible says that there's none righteous no not one and that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I know that includes me. Really? Yes. And you know, sin's not good. It separates us from God. And the wages of sin is death, right? And that's not good either. But let me tell you something great. God demonstrates his love for us when we're even sinners and the worst. He sent his son Jesus as the provision to make a way. He's the bridge to get us to Him. There's no other way. You can take pills and feel good. You can take injections and feel good. But it, when you come down, you don't feel good anymore and you need more the next time. Or a drink or whatever. He's the answer that fulfills for eternity. Well, how in the world do you do that? I'm glad you ask. If you confess with your mouth <laughs> and, and you believe with all your heart, that Jesus is the answer and God's spirit begins to confirm that in you, you're going to be saved. It's going to transform you. And then, of course, the final part, the partnership. So now, guess what? That you've done this, you're a part of God's church, his family, the body of Christ. And I'll tell you what, getting a Bible-believing church, in fact, you come with me, or I've even done this, I'll go with you. There was one guy I led to the Lord that, he, he, you know, his mama had been a great Christian and he hurt her so bad and all this stuff. And finally the time he got saved, it, he was transformed. There's no doubt about it. But he felt so bad. He said, I don't think I can go back there and face those people. I've treated them so bad. Well, I'll go with you. Well, they might die. They'll have a heart attack. I know CPR. And I went with him. And you know what? One or two could have been better. Kind of like, What's you bringing yourself into church? Bless their hearts. But most of them just hugged him, was so excited. See, Satan's telling you people aren't, aren't going to like it. What's God telling you? What's God in it? You know what I mean? Amen? You can do it. Dare to share. Be open. When you least expect it, when you're at the... Making that midnight run, not quite midnight, but 9 o'clock run to Lowe's to get a toilet bowl plunger. Did you know people need Jesus at Lowe's? And everybody with a toilet bowl plunger probably needs Jesus. 
when you're eating at the best restaurant in town, that waiter. And I don't mean you're weird with it, but God might open a door to share. I know somebody's sharing with a coworker at their work right now. You know, and I'm praying for that. Dare to share. Would you bow your heads? We'll just dismiss with this prayer, okay? Oh, Father, Holy Spirit, fall upon every person here today, young person, all the way up, Father. Fall upon them with assurance, with power that they can lead somebody to the Lord, that they are worthy to be your ambassador. And Father, if there's something in their heart or mind that's making them feel like, I can't do it, I can't do it. If it's, not a, if it's something specific, Father, I pray that they just confess it to you, let it be washed away, moved as far as the east is from the west, and God, there then would be nothing in between. But if there is nothing and there's nothing there, that's just Satan attacking. Every person in the sound of my voice can share the story and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, give us opportunities, and especially these people we're praying for, Lord, a year from now, may they be saved, may they be moving towards you and experience a life of purpose, a purpose-driven life for you. God, I pray today for blessings in the circles. Encourage and speak to us, I pray. And Lord, as we leave, let us feel your love. And all God's people said, amen. You may be dismissed. God bless you. Majesty.